You are listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast, the weekly show where we take a look at some epic marketing failures, along with some pretty amazing brand rescues and comebacks. And now your hosts, Nico and Chad. Hey, Chad. Yeah. When was vitamin C discovered? And bonus point if you can tell me who discovered it. Ooh. I know you're going to get this wrong because when I researched this, I was very surprised. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who discovered it. I know who popularized it, which we'll get into, <laughs> but I don't know who discovered it. Come on, man. This would have been your third in a row correct answer. Ah, yes. <laughs> I was going for the trifecta and didn't <laughs> quite get it. Yeah, it was, I think, discovered in 1930 by somebody called Albert Suzent QJ, and he was a Hungarian biochemists. Hmm. And he discovered all these things by accident in 1937, to be precise. And he is credited for first isolating vitamin C and discovering the components and the reactions of citric acid, the citric acid cycle, which was the start of nutrition as we know today, because he basically figured out that it enables your body to effectively use carbs and fats and proteins. And his discovery is the foundation of modern nutrition. Really interesting. Very cool. But in 1937, I thought it would have been way before that, right? That's really recent. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it is really wild to think about how much science has advanced in the last hundred years. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> it's amazing. Yep, sure is. Um, we're recording this on Friday. You know what? It's really strange. It is raining in Portland right now. It's a beautiful rainy Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, that is so uncharacteristic for Portland. Yeah, and I'm sure there's sun shining in Orange County, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. For those of the listeners that know, we relocated to Portland a while back. So we're still adjusting to the wetness, which is very different than Orange County, where I spent the last 10 years. But it is a very nice change. We're really enjoying it thus far. How are you guys coping with your new lockdown that you have in SoCal? Well, it just started last week, and we have three weeks of it, so we're already a week into it. And honestly, I didn't even really notice this week. Yeah. I just kind of went about my business, and we've been really trying to stay home as much as possible, regardless, throughout the whole pandemic. And so not much has really changed for us. We've just been really trying to be very careful and take that kind of an approach, so... I know a lot of people are struggling. I've got a lot of friends who are kind of struggling with it, but... But schools are open, right? With you guys, which makes a huge difference. Schools are open, which is so much better than the last full lockdown yeah. where everything was locked down, including the schools. But the vaccine is on the horizon, right? The FDA met today and their advisors gave the green lights for the emergency use and England started jabbing people. So it's close, right? It's amazing. Such great news. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you and I, we do a lot of work in clinical trial, the whole cycle of it in recruitment. For them to have done this in 10 months is just absolutely amazing. It's unbelievable. The way that they fast-tracked a lot of this stuff. And I don't even think they took a lot of corners. I actually just think that they just showed what is possible, right? Like the whole FDA process is so slow. So maybe coming out of this, we'll see drugs and vaccines getting the green light a little bit faster, which will be a good thing, right, moving forward. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about vitamin C today, <laughs> or the myth <laughs> of it, so to speak. There's a lot of myths that we grow up with, you know, the old wives' tales about chicken noodle soup, 
can cure a cold, but that's actually really good for a brand like Campbell's, right? True or not true. It's a wives' tale that we tell our children now as parents, and we've been told that, but it's not necessarily true. Or the phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, which was first recorded in 1866, might lack any scientific support, but your local fruit stand benefits from it. And another common myth is about vitamin C. Vitamin C will prevent you getting sick. A wife's tale that can be beneficial for the dietary supplement companies. What an apple a day keeps the doctor away and that chicken noodle soup can cure a common cold in common is that they're both old. And that's about it. Well, I will say that I've never met anybody who said they were going on an apple diet who is overweight. Uh, yeah. So... Maybe there's something to it. But what isn't old is the idea that vitamin C will keep you from getting sick. I'm in my 40s and I'm very health conscious. And I feel like I've done like a health discovery for the last 10 years of my life. I've tried to become more and more healthy and I've done a lot of research. And I only discovered that recently that there's no true scientific foundation with that statement. I just assume that it helps the immune system, right? And I think the majority of the population still thinks that. It's so interesting. I remember when we were having a lot of conversations back when you were really working on me to get more into fitness and you had mentioned, I'm not taking any supplements. I'm not taking a multivitamin anymore. <laughs> yeah. And and I just thought, what? what? What's going on here? Why wouldn't you take a multivitamin? Of course, you want to have like the best protection for your body possible. But the more I learned about nutrition and eating right and doing all that kind of stuff, the more I realized it's just completely unnecessary for most people, unless there's a special reason. But the time period in which this came to be really was around the 1960s. And it has grown into something of legend. Some of the benefits of vitamin C as claimed by dietary supplement companies like Emergency include boosting your immune system, increasing energy, and providing extra protection against infections. Yeah. In fact, if you've ever used Emergency yourself, I have before, you've probably experienced some of these benefits. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. That good old placebo effect, right? <laughs> You might have nailed that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only do vitamin C companies and just supplement companies in general claim that you can wipe the common cold from the face of the earth in some instances, but it can also be used to cure snake bites, some people say, AIDS, and even detached retinas. Wow. Wonder drug. Yes, absolutely. That might sound like pseudoscience to all of us. We're both really big into science. It's a big part of what we do on a daily basis. But to someone, that wasn't pseudoscience at all. It was not. And enter somebody called Linus Pauling. And if any of our listeners have never heard of this person, go down the rabbit hole of just researching him. He is such an interesting person. Linus Pauling was an American chemist, a biochemist, a chemical engineer, a peace activist, an author, an educator. He's basically credited for popularizing vitamin C as a health supplement. He was born in 1901. And listen to this. He published 1,200 papers and books about 150 different topics in his lifetime. And I want to play a really quick clip here of him. So this is a lecture that he did in the 1950s at Oregon University, and let's just listen to that. In the hydrated beryllium ion, BEH2O four times, 
there are four bonds formed between beryllium and the surrounding water molecules. In the hydrated magnesium ion, Be, uh, Mg, H2O six times, there are six water molecules around the magnesium ion located at the corners of an octahedron. In BeH2O four times, they are at the corners of a tetrahedron. Now, the bonds between the beryllium ion or the, or the magnesium ion or aluminum ion in AlH2O six times and the oxygen molecule involve the electron pairs. So you got all that, Chad? Yeah, I'm ready to take the test. <laughs> <laughs> really interesting stuff. He's just fascinating to me. His depth of knowledge is so wide. It's not just in biochemistry or chemistry. It spans across so many different things. As of 2000, he was rated the 16th most important scientist in history, Namely, quote, for his research into the nature of chemical bond and its application to the elucidation of the structure of complex substances, unquote, wow. which earned him the Nobel Prize of Chemistry in 1954. But let's also not forget that he also won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1962. I mean, the fact that he just won two Nobel Prizes in his lifetime, he was really outspoken against the atomic bomb and the creation of it. And here's another quick clip that I wanna play, just where he talks about the destruction of the atomic bomb. You favor the entry of red China into the United Nations, why? Well, I think that we are forced by the development of stockpiles of weapons that could destroy civilization if they were used. We are forced to abolish war from the world and to replace it by international law that is based upon the principles of morality and uh, justice. And uh, this requires that all of the nations in the world uh, be involved in setting up the system of international law to take the place of war. Now China, Chinese People's Republic, is a nation that contains one quarter of the people on earth. Obviously, it seems clear that we have to have the Chinese People's Republic in the community of nations, and this means admitting her to the United Nations. Yeah, so he was a scientist, but he was also very actively involved in and outspoken about peace globally, which is just pretty cool. Yeah, and he's one of only four people to have won more than one Nobel Prize. The other three are some pretty famous names, Marie Curie, John Bardeen, and Frederick Sanger. And of those four... Pauling is one of two, the other being Marie Curie, to have been awarded two unshared Nobel Prizes, and he's the only one to have been awarded two unshared Nobel Prizes in different fields. This is part of the problem. When he started making noise about vitamin C, people listened. <laughs> it's because of who he is. <laughs> Absolutely. And aside from his Nobel Prizes, he's remembered as one of the founders of the fields of quantum chemistry and molecular biology. His discoveries inspired the work of James Watson, Francis Crick, Maurice Wilkins, and Rosalind Franklin on the structure of DNA, which of course made it possible for geneticists to crack the DNA code for all organisms. So of course people listen to him, right? So today, Pauling is remembered most for the work he did in his later years, including the promotion of as we talked about nuclear disarmament, as well as orthomolecular medicine, 
megavitamin therapy and where we are getting to today, which is dietary supplements. Sure, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it sure is. I'm not sure how many people have heard the phrases nuclear disarmament and dietary supplement in the same sentence. And you've got to <laughs> do like a double take. It's like, what do you just say? I mean, it's not often you use those two things together. But you're not alone. You know, given Pauling's history and his 1,200 published works spanning across the 850 topics, the diverse array of his later studies isn't that odd. What is odd is that the esteemed record-breaking two-time Nobel Prize winner isn't most commonly remembered for his awarded accomplishment. He is actually remembered for being an acolyte for vitamin C. He believed and publicly insisted that vitamin C could be a cure-all for numerous ailments. And because of his work, according to a Gallup poll from 2013, half of Americans regularly take vitamins or other mineral supplements, despite the fact that recent medical studies assert that vitamins really don't provide much of any health benefits. You got to tell that to my mom. She just doesn't believe me. I just cannot get through to her saying, it doesn't matter all the vitamins you take, it does very little for you. Yes, they're very difficult to actually metabolize. And so the amount that's actually bioavailable from those supplements is very low, as well as just the actual impact that they have across a variety of conditions. So in 2012, Euromonitor International reported the vitamin and supplement industry topped $23 billion in consumer spending. And part of the reason health supplements and vitamin C in particular are so popular is because they're rarely harmful, ostensibly. So there's been very little impetus to intervene. Hmm. Well, what derailed Pauling's peace activism and research into the nature of the chemical bond so badly that we remember the two-time Nobel Prize winner as a quack? What was the thing that actually happened? Hmm. During a talk he gave in 1960, Pauling mentioned he hopes to live another 25 years to keep exploring and discovering science. And in the audience was somebody called Irving Stone. And Irving Stone was an American biochemist and a chemical engineer and an author. And among being the first to use ascorbic acid or vitamin C in food processing industry as a preservative, Stone also was the first to hypothesize that humans required larger amounts of vitamin C for optimal health than is necessary to prevent scurvy. And following Paul's talk, Stone wrote him and recommended that he start taking 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C each day to start living longer. Well... You might expect a letter instructing you to take more vitamins to be maybe like a postcard from that relative who's just a little too into health. You know the guy. You probably wouldn't heed the advice of a stranger, mm -hmm. but then you wouldn't be Linus Pauling. So after receiving Stone's letter and taking his advice, Pauling said he began to feel, quote, livelier and healthier. In particular, the severe colds I had suffered several times a year all my life no longer occurred. So over the next few years, vitamin C became Pauling's obsession. He published a book called Vitamin C in the Common Cold in 1970, where he encouraged Americans to consume 3,000 milligrams of vitamin C daily. Meanwhile, Pauling eventually upped his own daily intake of vitamin C to 18,000 milligrams per day. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of vitamin C. 
And in January 1971, an article from the Oregon newspaper, The Bulletin, reported that local sales of nutrients soared after the release of Porting's book. Right? There's the byproduct of that. Here's a quote from them. Area stores report vitamin C sales up 10 times that of last year since the first publication of Dr. Linus Pauling's book. The book was called Vitamin C and the Common Cold, that it came out in September. Bob Gabriel reported that people are not only buying more vitamin C, but they're asking for a higher dosage because of Dr. Pauling's assertion. Before... 100 milligram tablets were the common purchases. Now 250 and 500 were necessary and they were asking for it. So Pauling didn't just claim that vitamin C could make the common cold completely disappear off the face of the earth. He also started claiming that vitamins and nutritional supplements could cure everything from retinal detachment and snake bites to cancer to virus that causes HIV. Yeah, so in a 1990 interview, four years before his death, Pauling said that people who take vitamin C and other supplements in the, quote, optimum amounts would live 25 to 35 years longer. Oh, it's a big claim. Yeah. And even more than that, he said, they will be, quote, free of diseases. So it's kind of interesting to me that here's this brilliant scientific mind, and now he's asserting something that is fine as a hypothesis Mm -hmm. now as fact like this is what the reality is it's a bit like our political system right now unfortunately (laughs) and so we could ask whether or not there was any merit to his work in this space i mean clearly he was a rigorous and excellent scientist prior to these years but he also had some kind of non-conventional methods that he would use that today we certainly would not take part in he actually once tested a mega dose vitamin C on school children at a skiing camp in the Swiss Alps. Hmm. Not exactly what we would call good clinical practices today. (laughs) (laughs) And he said that they saw a big decrease in colds and the lengths of colds. But other scientists said that those results might not translate to the general population and that there needed to be more study, of course, to really find out what the reality was. Mm -hmm. So, You could be asking yourself at this point, what is the daily dose of vitamin C truly supposed to be? Like, have we figured that out? And more importantly, what does this have to do with marketing since, after all, this is a marketing show? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, this is a history podcast. Like, what's going on here? It's fun facts, but... And we love science. (laughs) Well, (laughs) this is just a setup for what's coming. There's two companies that we're going to be discussing, or their categories, per se, and it's Emergency and Airborne. And I, for one, have been guilty in this. I've very often, before getting on a plane to New York for a business meeting, I would take some Airborne to prevent me from getting sick. Yeah. Have you done that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Many times. (laughs) (laughs) Will you do it now, now that you know what you know? Not so much. Yeah, to answer the latter of your questions, after Paul's research on vitamin C came out, it didn't take very long for companies to catch on to what he was saying and to find ways to capitalize on it. In 1978, a laser corporation based in SoCal released their newest and fizziest sensation, and they called it emergency. Emergency is simply vitamin C plus minerals with B vitamins. The dietary supplement drink mix quickly gains massive popularity 
with people seeking a new and refreshing way to support their healthier immune system. Sure. And more than popularity, Emergency rapidly established an impressive and dedicated following. There's people that swear by this. And as vitamin supplements gained more and more traction over the years, more and more dietary supplement companies began to emerge. One such company is Airborne, and it was founded in the early 1990s by a school teacher, Victoria Knight McDowell, and she produced it not to get sick from all the kids coming to her classroom. And that's how Airborne was started. Yeah, she actually began brewing herbal and vitamin cocktails in the early 90s and selling them in tablet form to local drugstores until Trader Joe's bought 300 cases in 1997. And something companies like Emergency and Airborne have in common, aside from promoting vitamin supplements and their uncanny continued success, is their marketing. And one of the most effective aspects of dietary supplement marketing is in their flavors. So Airborne flaunts zesty orange, very berry, lemon lime, and pink grapefruit. Oh, so this is where the marketing comes in. <laughs> we finally arrived. <laughs> it's giving vitamin C fancy names and selling it. <laughs> yes. Well, meanwhile, a few of Emergency's flavors include super orange, acai berry, coconut pineapple, cranberry pomegranate, lemon lime, pink lemonade, and the list goes on. So no matter the flavor, each supplement company also offers their vitamin additives in multiple forms effervescent tablets, mm -hmm. powder packets, chewable tablets, lozenges, drink mixes, and gummies. So the effectiveness of having this tasty variety of flavors does wonders for marketing. And according to William Curry, an internist and professor of internal medicine at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, makes it all too easy to actually overdose on these vitamins. Well, it might be hard imagining overdosing on vitamins and what it could entail. After all, according to Healthline, emergency products is designed to boost your immune system and increase energy and provide extra protection against infections. I mean, that's the whole core of it. Airborne is designed for similar purposes, but it also allows you to search their products by health interest, including heart health and digestion and immunity, brain, bone support, hip support. And apparently too much of a good thing can be really bad. Are you still wondering now what your vitamin C daily dose should be? I'd love to hear it. Well, according to the National Institute of Health, the recommendation daily dose of vitamin C is not 1,800 milligrams or 3,000 milligrams as Pauling recommended, but it should not exceed 2,000 milligrams. And anything higher than that, you're actually looking at side effects like stomach cramps and nausea and diarrhea. And yes, you've done the math. Pauling took nine times the safe dosage when he was on his heights and being the vitamin C advocate. And academics and scientists like William Curry's reasoning for concern include the non-marketing related similarities between companies like emergency and airborne. It's basically twofold. The benefits are unsupported by any robust clinical research. And secondly, like all dietary supplements, emergency and airborne did not pass any safety or efficacy research before hitting the market. So these are just baseless claims right now. They're not backed up by any science, unfortunately. 
Right. And that's one of the biggest problems with the supplement industry in general is that it's not regulated. So you have no idea what fillers are being mixed in with your products and into your vitamins and the quality or the purity. And so it is a really big problem. And the FDA does say that dietary supplements can be beneficial to your health, but at the same time, there just isn't enough direct efficacy and safety evidence to show that they actually really can benefit the general population in terms of just taking them on a daily proactive prophylactic basis. Think about it this way. If it was, then it would have been handed out to kids at school. If it was actual scientific foundation year or anything that we can pull from, it would have been a mandate for kids to take or a mandate for people to take, not just a nice to have. Right. And there are a lot of patient populations that need very specific dosages of specific vitamins due to deficiencies related to a disease that they might have. But that's different and there is danger. For example, potassium, taking too much potassium, in fact, over 2,000 milligrams can actually stop your heart and kill you. It can be fatal taking too much potassium. Hmm, That's good to know. Yes. And so emergencies production description on Amazon features this disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure or prevent any disease. So just because a product isn't proven to achieve a certain effect does not mean that consumers don't believe that it does. Of course, so many people do. We just heard that 50% of the population actively takes general daily vitamin supplements. And you could argue that what consumers believe really isn't the brand's fault or problem. This came out of a little bit of junk science that became mythic and very widespread. And then as additional studies came out, there was just too much history there to be able to overcome that. Or you could argue that it's a company's responsibility, especially when their product brand and marketing are centered around consumer health to be more transparent and to make sure that their consumers really understand what they're taking and what it really does or does not do. Being transparent about the efficacy of this will just close their company. (laughs) And that's the problem. Exactly. Taking responsibility, that's a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) Well, 3,000 milligrams of it. You're right. And so therefore, we have a lot of false advertising. In addition to marketing strategies and FDA exemptions, another thing that Emergency and Airborne have in common is lawsuits. Hmm. Yeah, well, Airborne's marketing promise is, quote, boost your immune system to help your body combat germs, unquote. It's instructing users to, quote, take it at first sign of a common cold or before entering crowded, potential germ-infested environments, unquote. And that's exactly what I've been doing. That's exactly the thing, mm-hmm. ripping up the little piece of paper before you board the plane. In February 2006, ABC News revealed on Good Morning America that Airborne's lone clinical trial was actually conducted without any doctors or scientists. And this is a quote from it, just a two-man operation started up just to do an airborne study. And it definitely didn't help airborne when the Center of Science in Public Interest, or the CSPI, the senior nutritionist David Shard, 
who reviewed Airboard's claims, announced that, quote, there is no credible evidence that what's in Airborne can prevent colds or protect you from a germy environment. Airborne is basically an overpriced, run-of-the-mill vitamin pill that's been cleverly but deceptively marketed. Mm. That hurts. <laughs> that is amazing. That March, a plaintiff notified Airborne of his intent to file suit. The company quickly stopped mentioning their one-off and I use this term very, very loosely, study, and started toning down their cold-curing claims in favor of a vague immunity-boosting type of language. But Airborne's new marketing wasn't enough to help them slip back under the radar. In 2007, the FTC and a group of state attorneys general began investigating the various cold-busting claims that Airborne has made since its launch in 1999. Mm -hmm. And in 2008, the ongoing court case from 2006 ended with a settlement of $23 million over the false advertising. Yeah, I mean, we deal with false advertising a lot, right? Like bending the reasons to believe and trying to provoke that emotional connection with a brand and a product and a user. But this entire company is based on something that's false, it's much deeper than just a campaign that was making false claims. Their entire organization is based on something that is not true. And this is why we started with Pauling. Because of who he was, and you're so into vitamin C, he basically set this up for people to believe this because he was so credible. Right. And like we've talked about before, there's a big difference between being aspirational and trying to move your brand from one place to another or change perceptions about your brand and being actually false. There's a big difference. And the good news is that when you're honest and ethical, you're much more likely to be perceived well and to be successful. <laughs> so there's a self-serving incentive to do that. And so we can see that in the fallout. Emergency's 2013 class action lawsuit includes allegations that Emergency was, quote, seeking to cash in on consumers' desire to avoid cold and flu. Alistair markets emergency as a health drink that contains nearly 17 times the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C by the FDA. So, of course, this was not the only allegation, but it serves as an example of there being explicit and specific issues with mm -hmm. supplement marketing. Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be something at the core here that vitamin supplements is good for you, right? There has to be something that would mean that all of the core troubles was in the fence of marketing and profits as opposed to the supplement company per se, taking a stance for their consumers and their health, right? But unfortunately, according to Health News Today, quote, emergency may be worth taking as a general immune booster, but the jury is still out on whether it can help prevent or treat conditions like the common cold, which is basically their core business. Yeah. So Pauling's obsession-driven findings on the effect of vitamin C may not have been entirely correct, which is kind of, in hindsight, a bad thing to say for a man that had such an amazing legacy. But Unless you're a marathon runner or a skier or a soldier in a very extreme cold temperature, there's no real benefit of taking vitamin C in any excess. But even if you fall into those categories, the odds that vitamin C will help you live 25 to 35 years longer, cure snake bites <laughs> and cancer, 
or even keep you from getting sick is just totally untrue and very unlikely. A Cochrane review of nearly 30 studies looking at people with colds taking normal doses of vitamin C found that it reduced colds length by 8%. To put that in reality for you, if your cold lasts five days, then it's shortened by 10 hours. Possibly. Yeah, and that's not that bad. Yeah, so, I mean, that's great, but it's not this amazing thing where you take it and you won't get a cold, right? It's not going to prevent airborne diseases or viruses like coronavirus. And I'm not saying that they marketed it that way, but I think there's some people who might interpret it that way. Researching this episode made me kind of scared because our kids have not been sick since March, which is just for a four and a six-year-old, I mean, they were sick weekly, right? When they were going to school and kindergarten and everything else. So when we put them back in the real world <laughs> next year, <laughs> I think their immune systems are so weak right now, they might just get hammered by just general <laughs> viruses out there. Could be. So what I'm telling you is like, you and I might get the vaccine and they might get the vaccine, but I think other viruses is just going to pummel them in 2021. We're going to have a very sick children. <laughs> Yes. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, in addition to nausea and other side effects, taking more than 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C per day might even send you to the hospital with kidney stones. Mm. That's always fun. Yeah. So with all this information available to the public, and if consumers can usually get all the vitamin C they need from food in any type of normal diet, even within a standard American diet, which is not good at all, really, by any stretch... Why do we still buy extra vitamin C supplements? And why do companies like Emergency and Airborne risk multi-million dollar lawsuits? Well, I mean, the reality is, is that regardless of, of what the evidence is, there's a market for it. Yep. And so somebody's going to fill that role. The issue is that the results of whether or not vitamin C is beneficial are inconclusive. However, while there are no clearly proven benefits, there are proven disadvantages. And the problem, on the other hand, is that this issue is perpetuated by supplement companies in their marketing. It's one thing to provide something. It's another thing to push it. Mm -hmm. And the reason that the idea that vitamin C will do much of anything for our colds is such a stubbornly persistent myth is because it's perpetuated through a massive slew of advertising. I thought you were going to say parents. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say a slew of parents. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, you're 100% right. Yeah. In fact, Dr. Stephen Barrett, a retired psychiatrist of the accountability site quackwatch.org, <laughs> says, quote, when the vitamin industry has an opportunity to broadcast news, distribute literature, or anything else, it takes that opportunity. Yeah. This is a marketing thing. It really is. Well, you know what I've learned through all this, Chad? What's that? The saying is an apple a day keeps the doctor away and not an orange. Mm. It doesn't say an orange keeps the doctor away, an orange a day. That's true. <laughs> but in all seriousness, what's important here is that marketing, especially the realm of health that you and I both work in, yeah. has to be transparent. It's not enough just to include information you want to, sometimes not telling the whole story or holding some information. That's basically just lying. There's no two ways about it. And while you might not get into any legal trouble because the supplement market is not regulated the way that pharmaceuticals are, taking advantage of consumers' 
assumptions about the product isn't exactly morale marketing and it shouldn't be done. Yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah, I agree. And I think you really shouldn't worry that being transparent will scare people away. If anything, I think people in this day and age are really skeptical and are more suspicious than anything else. So at the very least, transparency really helps to convey respect for the consumer. It builds trust. It builds authenticity. And if you have a reason to worry that transparency for your product will scare people away, then perhaps you need to focus on the importance of continued product research and development and real clinical trials to develop a product that has a proven efficacy. Yeah. And also another way to think of it is like Pauling was a brilliant scientist, but it's 20 years since his death and 50 years since he began Hmm. talking about vitamin C and vitamin C research. And we haven't really discovered much, right? So there's not much to it. Yep. Sorry, man. (laughs) What a story. (laughs) What a story indeed. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll speak to you guys next week. Bye. You've been listening to the Marketing Rescue Podcast. This show is hosted by Nico Katsia and Chad Childress, the co-founders of KPI Agency, a marketing rescue agency. Be sure to visit marketingrescuepodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, contact the hosts, and discover fantastic bonus content.